How does Mothman find clothes that fit? Who invented humming? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Hey! Welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is the... Excuse me? So the air, sorry, the air, the, the air con really threw me just now by making a, a little spluttering noise. noise. It was like it was hyped to be here. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeepers. He really has to stop it. This is the weekly comedy podcast where every Tuesday we investigate a different paranormal tale and decide by the end of the show whether it's truly paranormal or not. Oh, yeah. Rory, how are you doing today? Uh, let me tell you how I'm doing, Kit. I'll tell you how I'm doing right now. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Oh shit, that fuzzed up, it fizzed up all over my oh. pop shield. Oh no, these Yikes. mics are very sensitive. <laughs> we might have sorry. to pause the recording. Rory's cracking a Heine. Yeah, we we have a few uh, small cans of Heineken in the studio today. We're calling them uh, Tinykins or Tiny Heinies because Rory, we're living that rock star life. We are currently on tour. That's right, baby. We're in the middle, in the midst of our UK live tour. It's true. We are currently in the middle of our inaugural tour, our first ever UK tour. We did Belfast. Would you say it was a successful show, Rory? We got we got to eat burritos before, so I guess that was pretty good. Yeah, it was. No, it was a great show. Uh, minimal, minimal problems uh, backstage and front of stage. As I, I slightly, I addressed, and I'll address it now publicly just to get ahead of the tabloids and the PR Apologies to anyone in the audience that was bitten by the monkey during the live show. We didn't know that giving him cigarettes was going to make him so angry. Right, and uh, the venue staff had to inform us that all kinds of exotic animal laws aside, you can't smoke indoors. Yeah, let alone even, let's not even start with the monkey. So is it our fault that the monkey went on a rampage across South Belfast? No, because the staff made us throw him out. And can we establish, he wanted to smoke. The little was was grabbing the cigarettes out of my hand. So it's very much on him. He made his own choices. And he only smokes Marlboro Reds. He's kind of a cowboy that way. But for those of you coming to the rest of our shows, do not worry. The monkey's been put down. Oh, <laughs> so what? I regret he had to be destroyed like a lost suitcase at the airport. He was... <laughs> that is so sad. It is truly sad, but rest assured, you can come to the future shows. They are monkey-free. His lungs were biffed anyway. Uh, yeah, his last meal was a cigarette. <laughs> and then they gave him the chair. So you'd be fine. <laughs> go, go so we have learned from our lesson, uh, future live shows will merely be a mongoose with a vape pen. <laughs> Hopefully that means the rampage will not will not really kick off. Probably so. live a bit longer too, but we will be um, at the time of recording. I guess we will be in London this weekend. It will have happened by the time you're hearing this. That's crazy. Maybe I should just apologize now in advance. In case, in case <laughs> Whatever we need the it. mongoose did. <laughs> but if you brought a snake, it's your own damn fault. Um, we're having a hell of a time out here on the road i.e. the recording studio, like where we are every single week. Hell yeah. Um, But tour aside, rock star lifestyle aside, Rory, we still have to investigate a different paranormal tale every week, and that's what we're going to get stuck into right here and now. Let's do it, brother. It was December 9th, 1965 in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. It's a quiet little town around 30 miles south of Pittsburgh. I can't say what it's like today, but back in the 60s, it was a friendly kind of place where nobody locked their doors and everybody knew your name. I feel like we've described several towns like that at the start of episodes of this podcast. 
And that is directly before something massively f***ed up happens. To the point where you should have been locking your doors the entire time. You really should have. Yeah, it's like the way parents these days say, it's just such a shame, you know, the world was so much safer when we were children. You just can't let your children outside anymore. It's like, nah, it was pretty f***ed up back then too. You just were ignorant to it. You didn't have Twitter to see what kind of (laughs) night stalkers were prowling your neighborhood. It's very true. But this has already happened, so we can't warn the people of the past. There was snow on the ground and a chill in the air, but the hard-working people of PA had been going about their days regardless. But this was no ordinary day. As the evening drew in, something appeared in the sky that would spark a wildfire of rumor and conspiracy that put Kecksburg on the map for good. Ooh, now I will say... We're in December, which is Santa territory. <laughs> so if we're looking up at that night Shoot sky... down! <laughs> yeah, just be careful with those guns because this is when he starts firing up the reindeer. He didn't get me a Super Nintendo when I wanted one! <laughs> Shoot his ass! So you know it's Santa Claus. <laughs> that is so evil. It's so f***ed up. Siblings Nadine and Nevin Kalp were out playing in their yard before dinner. I'm not sure exactly what game they were playing, but let's say for sake of argument, Swing Ball. Okay. Haha, <laughs> nice shot. But how about this? Oh, that hit me. I'll get you back, though. <laughs> but as young Nadine was repeatedly pelting the ball with all her might, her brother Nevin was standing still, staring straight up, swing ball racket hanging loosely at his side. Ha, I win. Nevin, look. But Nevin was transfixed by something high in the sky. As Nadine watched, his little face lit up. She swung around and looked up too. The sky was illuminated in a flash of light. But there was no storm, no lightning strike. Instead, an enormous round fireball was streaking through the sky. Jesus. Grab your Bible, grab your pitchfork. It's the end times. Yeah, grab a bit of everything. (laughs) Grab a Bible, grab a pitchfork. Grab a... Grab that ancient Egyptian amulet you bought off eBay, but is now coming in handy for the first time ever. Yeah. yeah you're going you're gonna to want a mixed bag here because big ball of light in the sky, that is either the second coming of Christ or you're going to hell. Or it is the landing of the covenant from the Halo series. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was almost too bright to look at with the naked eye. It was being followed by an orange tail. It was flying low and losing altitude. So much so that the children feared it might crash land in their garden. Wow. Thankfully, it missed them and hit the ground beyond their property line. Is this not like every little kid's dream? Oh, yeah. To to be out, like, adventuring with your friends. And then all of a sudden, you look up at the night sky and see some kind of meteorite or object trailing down towards Earth. And then you and your buddies, like, ride your bike. It's like fucking Stranger Things. You ride your little bikes out there, and this is the start of some sort of intergalactic adventure. Hopefully you find a little freak just just (laughs) hunched over in the crater. Is that that how E.T. came to Earth? I know, I don't. I haven't seen the movie in a really long time. I don't remember. I think he was fine somewhere. Yeah, right. How Maybe else it, was he getting there? Yeah, it must have been something similar like this. Hmm. I mean, the problem again is it's a fine line. You could get ET, but he was one of the better looking aliens. Right. And that son of a bitch was ugly. Right. He was. <laughs> he know. was to quote the Predator movies, one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> but but at least he had like you know. Two eyes and hands and stuff. Yeah. You could open up that thing and a jellyfish grabs your face. Right. A xenomorph of some kind. Yeah. So be be careful, kids. Be careful. 
Just then, Mrs. Francis Kalp called them in to eat. Kids, dinner! They looked at each other for a moment, then sped inside. Mom, did you see that? See what, dears? <gasps> it was Mom, a bright bowl of light of fire! It was the craziest thing like I've ever seen! Across all the right, sky! All right. Come and have some supper and calm down. But Frances had seen it too. She caught a glimpse when she stepped out to fetch the kids. Her logical adult brain thought it must have been a fragment of a plane or something similar. Mm. It couldn't have been a fireball. That was ridiculous. To be fair, a fragment of a plane is still pretty bad. Yeah. But, but moms really do be busy, though. <laughs> She's just like, I don't have time for this. I mean, I think you said at one point it was too bright to even look at. Which doesn't sound... <laughs> and the kids were worried it was going to land in the backyard <laughs> and end up landing in the neighbor's yard. And she's like, dinner's ready. <laughs> yeah, I don't care how many f***ing sausages you have in the oven. Nothing means anything anymore. It's true. But mom, it's right outside. Can't we come look? Mrs. Kalp looked into their angelic faces as they both begged to go out behind the house and check the area out. She eventually relented. All right, but just for a minute. We don't want dinner to get cold. Together, they ventured outside and into the woods at the back of the house. With the parent? Oh, yeah. Okay, smart. Of course. Safety first. She brought a loaded gun. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, after all, revenge is the dish best served. Cold. <laughs> Mom, where did you get that thing? <laughs> she puts on night vision goggles. <laughs> I mean, that's what you got to be careful of. The friendliest aliens like E.T. and also the Predator all come to Earth the same way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just be prepared. It's like a fucking lucky dip. You don't know what you're going to pull out of that hole. It could be a little friendly uh, jelly man made of sure. goo who's like, hey, you guys ever had space beer before? <laughs> or it could be a, an alien warlord. Right. The apex predator of this galaxy. Sure. And to him, you are shrimp and he has a taste for shrimp. He loves shrimp. Um, so just be careful. I've brought it up uh, twice at this point, so it is a topical reference. Um, have you seen the new Predator movie? A Prey? Yeah. No, I haven't, but I'm very excited to watch it. I've heard it is fantastic. But I also hadn't even seen the original Predator movie until like two months ago. What did you think? It's amazing. Pretty awesome, it's right? so, so good. I can't actually remember, to be fair, the setting of the first one. Where was that? No idea. A jungle. Oh, a yeah, jungle to be fair, full of it was a jungle. Dudes. Because I remember there's one where it's set in like... Muscle City, USA, baby, LA. is where it's set. Oh, yeah, I think he goes to like New York in the, the next one. I remember he kills a bunch of like drug dealers or something. What? Yeah, there's like an awesome uh, like gunfight in the streets of Los Angeles. And then <laughs> as if things weren't complicated enough, then Predator comes in and was like, I don't care about any of this. <laughs> And skins right. everyone alive. Yeah. Uh, I Because I have a baby, I have watched approximately 35 minutes of the new Predator movie. Right. But I loved every 35 minutes of it. I really did. It's, it's, it's a good enough movie with a backdrop that's fascinating enough about kind of Native American life that uh, it almost doesn't matter that it's a predator. It's kind of nothing to do with the predator at that point. Yeah. Well, we've said it before, you know, why is it always in the alien movies and the UFO mm -hmm. movies that the, the thing goes down and lands on the garden of the white house. Yeah. Yeah. In, in like the uh, last 10 or 20 years. Yeah. It, it, you know, it destroys New York city. I want to see 
cavemen fight a UFO. A thousand percent. I want to see it. I want it to be like Victorian times, like Bloodborne, and there's aliens walking the streets, and we that have to kill them. Sounds pretty fire, right? We should be having more fun with these with these stories. <laughs> anyway, back to 1962. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wherever the hell we are. <laughs> They hadn't been walking for long when something unusual came into view. It was far away, so it was difficult to judge how big it was. All Frances could see was that it was shaped like a four-pointed star. Mm. Her children wanted to get closer, but she put her foot down. It was time to go home. <laughs> they jabbered away at a million miles per hour for most of their meal, finally calming down when their mother served them some dessert. She was enjoying the peace and quiet when suddenly the radio started blaring. This is WHKB in Greensburg. We interrupt tonight's regularly scheduled programming to bring you this emergency bulletin. This evening at roughly 6 p.m., an object of unknown origin was seen in the sky before it crash-landed in rural Pennsylvania. We're appealing to any and all witnesses in the Kecksburg area to shed any light on the matter post-haste. Nadine and Nevin about exploded with excitement upon hearing the broadcast. We have to call mom! We saw it! Tell them we saw the spaceship! But Frances wasn't about to stand for such nonsense. As a witness, she felt duty-bound to report it landing so close to her back garden, but refused point-blank to suggest it was anything other than a piece of debris. Why is she so reluctant? Parents really do be busy. I... I... It's like that meme, <laughs> have you seen this gone round, where it's like the alien comes to Earth. Yeah. It's like, aren't you shocked? And it's like, I don't know, man, I got a lot going on. <laughs> That's exactly what it <laughs> it's, is. It's genuinely what it is. A spacecraft just destroyed the back of their house. And it's like, all right, you still got to go to bed, kids, because you have school in the morning. Like, Nothing matters anymore. Nothing matters. <laughs> to be fair, this is a really great... Uh, reminder of what it feels like to be a kid is that your parents just do not get what matters to you as a child. Isn't it crazy? I, it's, I think it's so insane to think like if the world was invaded by aliens today and they are like coming down, kicking humans down, being like, spread your fucking hands. They probably wouldn't talk like that. I don't know why I gave them that voice. But they're like ray guns to the back of everyone's heads. You're like living in a in an sure. abandoned warehouse, hiding out from the aliens. Your life has been changed forever. There's still points where you'd be like, "I have to take a shit." <laughs> sure, I, I have to go to the bathroom. You can hold a ray gun on my <laughs> yeah. head, but I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like your world can change so much, so dramatically. You still have to go to the bathroom. I still need a sandwich at lunch. It's so true. You know? it? Like, imagine even in like, yeah, hundreds of years in the future when we master interstellar travel, like you could be standing on planet Gorgon, <laughs> like surfing, uh, surfing sunbeams <laughs> in a radiation suit yeah. on your hoverboard in the year 2500. And you're just like, <laughs> you're like, oh, that sandwich didn't go down well. I need to find a bathroom pronto. Yeah. You could be in a, in a, you know, living now amongst a, a, a civilization unknown to man where it's not even the form of humans, but more of a, a space dust. And you're like, <laughs> I still want to get laid, though. Like, I want to have sex because I'm just a, a man or a woman. I'm just you know? a monkey. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. I'm monkey. So I do get it on a certain level that life goes on. Hey, right. That's what they say. There, it's done. And now you two can get off to bed. Oh, so she reported it? She reported it. 
The children groaned and started shuffling out of the room, disappointed. Francis got to cleaning up after dinner, mulling over the weird object they'd seen. What was that thing? But she wasn't the only one asking that question. Dozens of people had phoned into the WHJB to report seeing something weird. John Murphy, an employee at the station, was there fielding calls. He was so captivated by Francis's description of the object that he felt compelled to report it straight to the police. They sent it further up the chain immediately, and soon it was in the hands of the military, who were desperate to talk to this housewife who'd seen the UFO with her own eyes. Whoa. Meanwhile, Francis was in the kitchen, finishing some dishes. It was getting late, and the kids were up in their rooms, playing quietly before lights out. She almost jumped out of her skin when the phone rang. At the Calp residence, lady of the house speaking. There was a gruff-sounding man on the other end of the call. Ma'am! <laughs> Je- Jesus! Oh my... Uh, Sorry, <laughs> who's this? This is Captain Creep of the U.S. Sorry, Navy. Are you, are you yelling? I have to hold the receiver so far from my, from my ear. This is just my voice, ma'am. Okay. My vocal cords were shredded in the... <laughs> And a top... I shouldn't even be telling you about the top secret military <laughs> to- Sorry, top secret... Who are you? Shut up. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I'm going to hang up the phone now, sir. Listen, ma'am. Am I to understand that you reported seeing the unidentified flying object land near your house? She tentatively said yes, half expecting to be admonished for falling for a hoax or something along those lines... But the voice only grew more serious. Okay, listen carefully. I'm going to need you to keep an eye on the craft site until we can get our men out there. Watch it like a hawk. You see anyone approaching, you call up and let us know. Frances was flummoxed. But before she could even glance outside, the phone rang again. Uh, Mrs. Kalp, this is the operator. Uh, You have an incoming call from the Kecksburg PD. Oh, uh, really? Go ahead. Within a few seconds, she was on the phone with the local chief of police. Good evening, ma'am. Good evening. I believe we were just talking. What? Huh? What are you talking about? (laughs) Oh, never mind. This is Captain Ducia from the state police. Who is this? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, this is Mrs. Kalp. Sorry, you just sound like someone I spoke to recently. I've never met you. You don't have a, a brother or... Oh, I had a brother once. Lost him in Vietnam when my vocal cords were shredded on a mission. Okay. I shouldn't be telling you about that, actually. Okay. A, to- a top secret mission? That's right, that's right. <laughs> I'm sorry to disturb you, ma'am. I just wanted to let you know that my first wave of officers will be with you in, in just a couple of minutes. Before she could even finish his sentence, the phone rang again. No, she could see flashing lights approaching outside. They pulled up out front and got out two police officers and two men in plain clothes. Francis scurried to the front door to let them in without tipping off the kids. But they were already at the top of the stairs with their heads peeking through the banister. The officers came in wondering if they could ask a couple of questions. A full formal interview if she wouldn't mind. Mm -hmm. Before she could agree, a little voice from above piped up. (gasps) We saw it too! Frances swung around and saw her daughter standing in pajamas at the top of the stairs. What did I tell you? Take your brother and go straight to bed. But the state police had other ideas. Actually, ma'am, we'd quite like... (coughs) Sorry. Actually, ma'am, we'd quite like to hear their side of the story, too. 
Sorry, my vocal cords were shredded by the air conditioning in the last house we were in. On hearing this, the kids bolted down the stairs with glee. They all sat down in the living room and shared every detail of what they'd witnessed a few hours previously. But all the while, there was a flurry of activity outside. The site was soon crawling with police, government officials and other witnesses that wanted to see what had crashed firsthand. So the, the, the crash site is close enough to her house that it's all kind of the same vicinity. Yeah, I think they described it as just outside their the boundary of their property. So it might, it might even it. be in a little field or a little alley or something. So their house is, I guess, the closest port of call. Yeah, Ooh, that's stressful, man. You know it's not long before they're taking over your kitchen. That's now the new headquarters <laughs> yeah. of the operation. I, at this point, with all these people arriving, I'm like, I'm going to get pizza. Kids, get in the car. <laughs> We're going to wait till this all blows over. Radio employee John Murphy was among those that raced the woods, but was barred from crossing the police cordon. Instead, he had to wait at the sidelines and hope for an interview with the official search team once they finished. But his excitement turned to disappointment when he heard the investigators address the press after their search. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. The investigation on the ground was led by Carl Metz and Paul Shipko. Now, I wish I could tell you more about this police report, but it's classified. All we know is the official story they gave the team that night. The Pennsylvania State Police have made a thorough search of the woods. We are convinced that there is nothing whatsoever in the woods. What? That's a new low for public statements. <laughs> I like I was already waiting for the waiting weather for balloon. It's a bug. Yeah. We found a ladybug which appears to have flapped its wings <laughs> fast enough to create a sonic boom. <laughs> Above Pennsylvania. Oh, I can't believe my own bullshit. It's a fucking UFO. Yeah, I, I was expecting weather balloon, firefly, uh, sonar flare, some kind of nonsense. But to say it, there was nothing, you guys are crazy, that's a, that's a new low, truly. Murphy wasn't convinced for a second. He figured that with this many men in uniform swarming the area, something big was underway. Also, you had all those people call into the radio station. To, to go on the defense and say that nothing happened, that seems a little crazy. So Murphy hung around, trying to look casual, leaning on his car with his hands in his pockets. Nice. He whistled nonchalantly when a pair of police officers passed him by, disguising just how hard he was listening for news. You can maybe do one of those sneaky detective things where it's like, uh, all right, just uh, just tell me, tell me one thing, you know, yeah. at least tell me uh, what color is the alien? And they're like, well, I mean, I couldn't disclose that information. It's like, it's funny. Didn't say there was an alien. You know, there's some, <laughs> oh. is there a little tricky, little tricky kind of word thing you could do there, or a Columbo, you know, where you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to see anything here. Just one more thing, Chief. Why are there so many cars here if there's nothing that crashed? You know, you could do some sort of. <laughs> they crack him by the back of the head with a bat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cold for three days. That's why Columbo never got involved in the paranormal. <laughs> he would have died in the first episode. I, I, I thought you were going to say like some shit where he just like hides his press badge, throws his tie over his shoulder, puts on a trench coat, and he just walks up to a police officer and is just like, uh, Detective Murphy, uh, just fill me in on what's going on here. Right. Yeah, pretend like you belong. And exactly. Just be, like, be like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Jenkins here with the... Uh, <laughs> I'm shadowing... Um, <laughs> Jenkins 2 over there. Yeah. I'm here with the Department of uh, LMAFO uh, here to uh, party, party, <laughs> party rock every night or some shit. 
And uh, listen, I I know we're talking. All, I know we're telling all these. <laughs> I know we're telling all these shit eaters that there's nothing happening here. But uh, can't believe they bought that. Anyway, uh, where do I go to see the beast? He's wearing a <laughs> le- leopard print waistcoat. <laughs> His hair spiked up, wearing giant glasses. <laughs> we're with the Department of Party Rockers <laughs> down at LMAFO. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't suppose if you're free after this, you come round to party rock in the house tonight. <laughs> Just try it, man. Just try it. Just a fun piece of trivia. In my second year uni house, um, my housemate worked at like a bunch of live events and stuff. Yes. And I guess he worked like the MTV Awards or something. Wow. Um, and he came home that night from work with one of LMFAO's leopard print jackets and it just lived in our house ever ever after that. That's a pretty cool artifact. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That should be in a museum. The spirit of party rocking was kept alive. What happened to those guys? Dudes. That's an episode. The disappearance <laughs> of LMAFO. <laughs> but that's right. Murphy, in fact, leaned against the car, listening out to the local officers. Oh, well, oh, and that's the thing about the, the new models of the car. You don't know, really. Only between one thing and another. And, uh, Pulsating blue light. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Uh, yeah. The, the sirens on the new ones don't really work as well as the, the old models. Did he hear them right? Pulsating blue light? That sounds like something more than nothing. It does, yeah. But before long, the entire area was sealed off by the military, and he was asked to leave immediately. To this day, he believes there was a major cover-up of what really happened that night. Damn. You hate to see it, Rory. I've seen that we've relived time and time again on this paranormal life. It's true, yeah. And as I said, this this is an interesting approach for uh, the police to take to say there was nothing at all. Because you got to be really careful that nobody saw anything if you're going to take that stance. Because pulsating blue light, you can even chalk that up to a weather balloon. Weather balloon is the is the bandage that fix all fixes all problems. Right. Um, but if you've decided to go, nope, there was nothing. Y'all are crazy. All of a sudden, if someone saw a light trail or ends up finding a bit of alien scrap metal, that's going to be a lot harder to explain. All this shit, it makes you have sympathy for the flat earthers. Look, they're, they're, they're misguided. They are strange. They're unusual. Don't get me wrong. But it's tough, isn't it? When you're getting gaslit this much by the authorities at every turn, that when anything, any light in the sky is simply waved away as being nothing or a weather balloon. Yeah. Um, how are you supposed to believe them? It's true. I also don't want to be associated with flat earthers, so I'm going to remove myself from that. Flat comparison. earthers, come on right over there. to patreon.com forward slash this paranormal flat earth, a new Patreon site we've set up. I've set up. Now, Roy, usually when we tell these stories, we focus on the account of one or just a handful of witnesses. But this was an event witnessed by thousands. People all over the northeastern United States saw this thing soaring overhead. There were even sightings reported all the way up in Canada. Whoa. We said it was bright, right? It was so bright they couldn't even look at it. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. How did they think they were going to get away with saying that nothing happened? No. Uh, These people basically saw the fucking Batman signal. Interesting. And now the Joker dressed up as the (laughs) fucking NYPD is saying, there is no Batman. He isn't real. It's like, I I see the symbol. (laughs) They didn't say nothing happened. They said, we've searched the woods and didn't find anything. A, a, a crucial delineation. 
I'm gonna need to crack open a new beer. Okay. Just to help me swallow that shit sandwich. <laughs> Cause that is nonsense, my friend. We are both three heinies deep at this point, um, which is, I think, the magic number for really getting to the bottom of any paranormal case. It's true. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now... This thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. But despite all of this, the whole incident was swept under the rug and forgotten about. The official story changed from, quote, literally nothing to a meteor crash. And it might have stayed that way if it hadn't been for a little TV show called Unsolved Mysteries. Yes, 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 this is what we need. It's come up before, right? Yeah, they're great. They helped us out massively on uh, one of our UFO cases recently where they did a full investigation where they interviewed people on site. Those guys are, are great. They don't get enough praise. Doing God's work. This particular episode from 1990 brought the case back into the public spotlight in a big way and finally told the stories of the witnesses of an event that the military tried for decades to keep secret. Rory, you've heard the told story of the Kecksburg UFO. Are you ready to hear the untold story? Hell yeah. Bill Weaver was 19 in 1965 and like any cool teenager, that evening he was cruising around town in his car he was driving along Snake Hill Road in his Oldsmobile convertible. Very sexy. When he heard a radio news broadcast that a mysterious object landed in Kecksburg. A little thrill ran through him as he realized just how close he was to the crash site. On a whim, he decided to go and check it out. This is how he described what he saw. I looked down into the woods. I saw the dirt around was all torn up. It looked like an object with a blue light emanating off of it. Here we go. It was like a light from a welder. 
He added that he saw the arrival of four men, quote, wearing their white moon suits. <laughs> oh, you're losing me, buddy. <laughs> Immediately before he was ordered away from the area. The fuck is a moon suit? <laughs> I think he was just projecting a bit of his sci-fi fantasies there. I'm going to guess just a white protective suit of some kind. Okay. These were humans. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. I was getting them confused with moon boots. Yeah. The, the, which, if you're not familiar with, are boots you can wear with trampolines built into the shoes to make you jump only slightly higher than an average uh, human can. Do you remember the song? No. Moon shoes, moon shoes. Jump to the moon and back, moon shoes. Everything's better when you wear moon shoes. Again, a lie. My divorce was hard. <laughs> Regardless of what shoes I wore. I um, could barely bend on to sign the divorce papers <laughs> wearing my moon shoes. I tried to take the kids away, but their shoes were normal. They were grounded and we we didn't escape. This turn of events was mirrored by John Hayes, another local, though he was only 10 at the time. He and his brother loved playing in the hollow where the fireball had just happened to land. He said they would go every day if they had the chance. But in the days that followed the crash, they weren't able to get close. Speaking at a conference decades later, he recalled that the area was quickly roped off by military and police, some of whom who used his family's telephone to direct other uh, military personnel to the scene. Later that night, he recalled seeing an empty military-like flatbed truck enter the area. I have a direct quote from him here about what he saw. Quote, I can say personally, I saw that truck go in there empty, but it came back out hauling something with a tarp covering it. Whoa. I can't say what it was. God damn, this is intense. He and his older brother went to the area to explore the very next day and were shooed away by a team of men in white, sure, moon suits, moon suits. carrying moon boots. Geiger counters. <laughs> they told us we shouldn't play there because it may be contaminated by radiation. Right. That's not happening if nothing landed if nothing in the woods. happened. That's crazy. Oh, sorry, kids. You can't play here because a big load of nothing just happened. <laughs> I mean, is this a reputable source? I don't know a lot about this gentleman. Well, I don't know. But, I mean, no, because he was 10 years old. But, sure. this is now two separate witnesses uh, who, aside from our first family, who said that they went to the literal crater yeah. and saw... Man with Geiger counters measuring the area. Yeah. Telling them to fuck off. Let's be critics. Let's be cynical right now. Let's play the devil's avocado. Sure. I don't know a lot about space. Mm -hmm. uh, if hypothetically it was some sort of meteor or space rock that did come down from the Earth, does that necessarily, uh, would it contain any radioactive properties? It's a great question. You know, shit coming down from space. I feel like it might a bit. You probably wouldn't want to lick it or something. <laughs> might be hot, at least. Yeah. Spicy. Um, uh, I don't know. I'll be honest. But, of course, radioactive materials are very naturally occurring. So, I guess anything's possible here. Because isn't that the... Well, one small part of space is like, uh, you know... People think if you are out uh, floating about in a, in a moon suit... Hmm. Uh, if you take your helmet off, it's like, oh, you die because you can't breathe. And it's like, dude, you die because of like 20 different 
fucking reasons. <laughs> Factors. <laughs> like, you, 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 you are destroyed. It's like there is no air. You're in a vacuum. Sure. The radiation levels are insane. Like, your body is basically destroyed immediately. So, right. is it crazy? COVID, for one. <laughs> yeah. Is it crazy to think that an object that would come from space, maybe it's not paranormal, but maybe they're trying to cover up. It could even be a satellite that crashed down. That is that is potentially radioactive. I'm not sure. I don't know how space objects work. It's a great question. And, you know, this was 1965. So this is kind of space race era. Yeah. So a lot less known. Is also. that Cold War? I don't remember when the Cold War was. Mm, hey, Siri, when was the Cold War? That seems long. 1945 to 1991. No, that, that's generous. That's very generous. <laughs> that is. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, technically. <laughs> According to Siri, yeah. You make great points, Rory, but the stories do keep coming. Stan Gordon is a local author and, of course, UFO researcher. It was the events at Kecksburg that sparked his love of the paranormal to begin with. He was 16 when he saw the Pittsburgh news stations reporting on the incident and started taking notes. 50 years later, he's still on the case. Constantly uncovering new leads, information, and witnesses. Damn. He said that he's heard countless descriptions of the UFO, and they all corroborate one another. According to his sources, he says the craft was acorn-shaped, about 15 feet long, with no windows and no rivets, wells, or seams. Where do you get that from? Uh, Just a bunch of different witnesses. Oh, okay. We're going to get into more details about how it looks, but that immediately sounds kind of similar to other things. Doesn't this seem like a trope of UFOs is like they're perfectly smooth? Yeah, no like uh, no seams, no creases, no bolts. It's just like a seamless sheet of it's metal. like a freaking MacBook. It's like <laughs> yeah. made from a solid piece of aluminium. Yeah, um, acorn shape. I'm trying to think if we've seen that one before. Now, some of the witnesses talked about seeing writing on the craft that resembled Egyptian hieroglyphics, at least from a distance. (laughs) All witnesses were quickly whisked away when discovered by military personnel. And granted, we can attack any one witness, but even the truck that 10-year-old John Hayes uh, saw was seen by multiple other witnesses too. Several said they saw a flatbed truck laden with a large object covered by tarpaulin. But maybe one of the best things to come out of the Unsolved Mysteries episode is that some new witnesses came out of the woodwork. One was a U.S. Air Force officer at Lockbourne Air Base near Columbus, Ohio. He claims that in the wee hours of December 10th, a truck arrived by the little-used back gate of the base. It was covered in a thick tarp, and whatever was underneath looked to be conical in shape. Hmm. Private! It's your duty to patrol this truck. If anybody gets too close, you can flash them your weapon. If anyone gets even closer, you are authorized to take them out. Sir, yes, sir! The young officer kept watch over the flatbed, plagued with curiosity. It wasn't often he was put in charge of a random bit of cargo, let alone instructed to guard it with his life. But as much as he wanted to peel back the sheet for a quick peek, he didn't dare. I'm imagining at this point the tarp starts wiggling and going like, Hey, mister. Mister. <laughs> Shut up. I'm not looking. Yeah. Come on, buddy. Help a guy out. I'm chafing down here. Come on. You're going to get me in trouble with the boss. <laughs> you got any space juice? <laughs> I'm parched. 
terrifying. Ter- so it sounds like at least there's a consistent testimony that this truck existed. A hundred percent. I mean, that's not going to be our conclusion at the end of the episode <laughs> is whether or not a truck existed in Pennsylvania. But we uh, got to read between the lines. But yeah, if there's, we're seeing a through line If there's here. a cone under a sheet <laughs> and everyone saw the cone, that means something landed. Granted, yeah. it could be a giant weather balloon, but we don't know. Another contractor came out of the woodwork saying that he was hired to do some construction work at this base. Because he wasn't actually a military man, he wasn't afraid of losing his job. He snuck inside the hangar to get a look and was staggered by what he saw. There in the middle of the cavernous room was a bell-shaped device, 12 feet high, with several men wearing white anti-radiation suits inspecting the object. Here we go. But before he could take any more in, he was seen. They yelled, Hey you, get out of here. As he was being marched off the premises, He couldn't help but ask about the object. The reply he received was curious. They said, Oh, that! You'll know soon enough. It'll be common knowledge within the next couple of decades. (laughs) Just how I expect military researchers to talk. (laughs) He's like trying to be coy. He's like, you'll find out, son. You'll find out. There's like... Alien greys running in the background. It's like, I know what it is now. I don't need to find out in decades. Yeah, you'll find out whether it's this decade or next decade, you'll find the truth. As soon as the, the, the guy walks off, it's like, shoot him in the back of the fucking head. <laughs> He's seen too much. Kill him. Yeah. Uh, can you strangle that guy? He saw the alien UFO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Hey, as we said, you know, this is the reality. If something crash landed to the earth and the military are like, we need to take over this whole forest. We're going to set up a uh, headquarters right here in the woods. Uh, we need a base of operations uh, functioning within the next 45 minutes. Some dude is just going to be like, okay, I'm going to call a man who owns tents. Yeah, because yeah. we we need normal real people to, to interact with this situation. Exactly. Like even when they're even when they're done with the site, it's like, all right, where do we throw all, away all this medical waste? And it's like a garbage man. Like, do we have <laughs> one of those who's in on the whole uh, intelligent life forms in the universe? No, we we're not. We don't have one of those. All right, we're just gonna have to get a a normal garbage man then and tell him it's. Uh, I don't know. It's a bug. It's a bug. Yeah. It's true. People think that there's so many layers of echelons of secrecy surrounding these things. It's like MI5, the Pentagon, FBI offices, they all need cleaners. Yeah. They all need people to clean the fucking toilets. We've established people shit. Even in <laughs> even in crazy times. The dude who's who's doing an autopsy on uh on an on an alien body. Sometimes he's having a burrito for lunch and sometimes he has to go to the bathroom and somebody has to, it's not like another government scientist is on the road and he has to clean the bathrooms. It's just a person that maybe has to swear an oath oath of secrecy to be able to be let into (laughs) the To make minimum wage. (laughs) Rory, we're so late in the episode for me to be showing you this, but let's have a look at what this thing is supposed to look like. Handily, they actually made a monument to this thing uh, outside the fire department in Kecksburg. 
Ooh. Take a look at this model. I was going to say, because, you know, you know, I love a good UFO case. You know, I'm on board. Not the craft, but the story. Uh... <laughs> Very little evidence in today's case. Very little, very few pictures, diagrams. Not physical evidence. We've had b mountains of anecdotal shite. Whoa! This looks like a lot of things. Mm. Kind of looks like the poop emoji for a start. All right, well, give this case the respect it deserves, sir. No, it's an acorn. It's a fucking acorn. It's it looks a very like one thing. tiny acorn. An ancient Egyptian acorn. Or it kind of looks like when you, if you put the tip of your thumb through <laughs> a condom. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Show <laughs> this case the respect <laughs> it deserves. That's what it, I mean, that's what it looks like. I'm glad that we have enough of an idea as to what this thing looks like, that people feel like they can accurately represent it in statue form. But let me tell you, it's huge. It does look like an acorn with, I guess, the point of the acorn pointing up like it's upside down true and then also yeah they've even done tried to do some kind of replication of the hieroglyphics on the craft which i don't know is that based on what somebody saw or is it kind of just let's wing it let's let's wing dings the shit out of this uh this I, statue i do think they vibed it out but it is based on people allegedly seeing markings on the craft fair play this is great and putting it in front of a government institution like the fire department is <laughs> really a, a real fuck you. It's a real middle finger to the <laughs> establishment, which, you know, I'm all about. Yeah, those are not real symbols. Definitely. Definitely no. not. So there is but one final thread to this tale. In 2002, a New York journalist named Leslie Keen put forward a Freedom of Information Act sponsored by the Sci-Fi Channel. Nice. They, they wanted to make a show about Kecksburg, but all the crucial information was, of course, classified. Now, NASA initially promised to dig out the old records, but soon began stonewalling the plea and withheld every scrap of documentation they had. I don't think that's how the Freedom of Information Act works. Things escalated to the point that Leslie had to sue NASA over the matter and won. But no smoking gun files were turned over. Countless crucial reports had, quote-unquote, gone missing over the years or been purposely destroyed. Mm. Keen remains convinced that aliens landed in Pennsylvania that night, and as hard as he tries to uncover it for all of us, we might never know the truth. Pretty convenient that the files are missing or destroyed. I mean, this weirdly takes on new significance in, and I don't mean to get political, all of a sudden... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but didn't this literally just happen with the January 6th hearings that uh, like the <laughs> yeah. CIA like deleted all the text messages between all their agents or yeah. something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just conveniently in between a tiny little gap when yeah. a bunch of shit went down. It's like it was a routine uh, military right. cache clearing. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. You're taking the piss. Yeah, that I'm firmly in the camp of, uh, you know, some people say innocent until proven guilty. And I say, you're going to jail, kid. That's my <laughs> motto. <laughs> That's you to NASA. To NASA. You're going to jail. Congratulations. Uh, you f***ed it. Um, NASA is supposed to be the good guys. It's such a that's that's gut-wrenching. It's such a pity that... Uh, these kind of crashes don't happen more often in, like... I don't know, Iceland, right, right. places where they don't give a shit 
And they're just like, oh, we'll spill the beans. We don't, we don't care. Tell everyone. I mean, that is one of the biggest arguments against the existence of UFOs and them crashing to Earth over hundreds of years. How was it not crashed anywhere where people didn't give a fuck? <laughs> where instead of calling the police, they took a selfie with an alien and were right. just like, hey, look, this is it. I found it. Right. Come if, see it. If they just landed in anywhere in like continental Africa. Uh, yeah. And people are just like, the government are like, I don't care. We don't have time for this shit. Tell everyone. Yeah. It's, um, you know, that, that is a firm argument against the fact that a lot of these sightings or crashes didn't happen. Uh, because they all seem to be for some reason in America. And all they seem right, to be well, let's up. ignore uh, all that and uh, talk about the Kecksburg UFO in Pennsylvania, course. which is pretty realistic if you think about it. I mean, hey, I, you know I'm a sucker for these cases. Uh, and I've had a couple tiny hineys. <laughs> They're not that tiny when you have a bunch of them. <laughs> it turns out they add up. When you pound that many heinies in a row... <laughs> okay, I'm calling the priest. You start to... Uh, you start to have a loose tongue, and uh, let me tell you, I'm I'm ready to be won over in today's case. I feel like the only thing that we didn't have going for us today was any physical evidence. It's so true. Uh, you know, we've run into this problem before in this paranormal life where we've got it all. We've got the sightings. We've got the witnesses. We've got the testimonies. We've even got eyes on the prize of the crash site, people seeing the craft for themselves, describing it consistently. But in this case, the government were on it too fast, allegedly, and yeah. we never even got our hands on the thing. No scorched earth left radioactive, you know, possible to be investigated by locals. No scraps of metal, no uh, contact with aliens. Not even that. No pictures. I mean, you said this was in the 1960s, right? Hi. How was did any of these witnesses not even go take a picture of the crater that must have been left by this object hitting the earth well i mean you heard they got shooed away you know the few people that did know where it was and kind of tried to get up close the place was cordoned off but I, but, but the I, government didn't fill the hole and uh, yeah. like replant the trees presumably it is a smoldering fire scorched patch of earth uh, I will give you that. The military can't have stayed in this location forever. <laughs> Presumably yeah. this crater exists to this day. Exactly. In the woods. Yeah, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not saying it's a deal breaker. I'm just saying these are all factors that I'm considering when coming down on my final decision. Rory, at the end of every episode of This Paranormal Life, we, we do have to come down on said decision, of course. Like we say, we've presented witness testimony, uh, much of which with which adds up and cross-corroborates with itself. But I will admit, we do have a lack of physical evidence. So what do you think it's going to be today? I'm going to make you go first. Because I'm, it might be the beer talking, but I'm more on the fence than I thought <laughs> I would be for this one. Let me tell you. I think I know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to let you take the lead as the primary investigator. As the primary investigator... I will say I am deeply on the fence. I can feel it. I can sense in every word that's written about this that people believe this and that it is dear to the local area, obviously. Um, but I do think that it is one, um, even with all this investigation and research, I've got to get closer to, to really be won over by, to really understand why this has to have happened. So I guess it's a no today. I'm going to follow in your footsteps, brother. I think uh, I'm so close to being pushed over the fence. We're just missing that that uh, that 
that little piece that comes Smoking in at the gun. end. Yeah, that wins us over. Also trying to remember that a lot of these incredible testimonies that we're hearing are from 10-year-old boys. It's true. Who were literally children at the time. Um, and, you know, remembering what I was like as a 10-year-old, I was not a very reliable witness. As I've attested on the podcast before, we had a friend at about 10 years old who <laughs> told everyone and believed he was a Beetleborg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Not even in a joking way. He... he promised he me lived he was to a breathe Beetleborg. the Beetleborg lifestyle, whatever that if, meant. If you don't know what the Beetleborgs were, they were... Why wouldn't he say he was a Power Ranger? I don't know. If you're going to make that kind of lie, just say you're a Power Ranger. Not a not some sort of superhero with the abilities of a beetle. Which is, I don't know what. Which is, I don't know what. To roll dung? I don't know. Uh, it is just yet another mystery that we cannot get to the bottom of on this paranormal life guys i hope you enjoyed this investigation into Ooh. the kecksburg ufo if you're from pennsylvania and you hate our fucking guts for coming down on a double no yeah fair but, that's fair it's fair i am sorry uh hopefully we'll make it up to you by coming to um an area near you to investigate the paranormal in the near future if you work for the company that manufactures or distributes moon boots, I would very much be interested in a pair. We could work out some sort of advertising uh, deal there. We might be able to punch up that theme tune. I don't... Oh, hell yeah. I don't know if they still exist, moon boots. Or were they called moon shoes? Maybe they were called moon shoes. Oh, they're still... Brother, you can buy them now. I think I know the ones you mean. I think my sister has some of these. Oh, hell Yeah. Wait, hold on. Check this out. You can get them on Amazon. I'm going to wear these to our next live show. Come which out is, in the which moon is boots. in two days. They're you so... better get that prime <laughs> delivery. <laughs> They're so stupid looking. Look at the moon shoes. Oh my God. They are not what I was expecting. They're <gasps> like... It, like the thought process doesn't go beyond... What about trampolines for your feet? Individual <laughs> feet trampolines. I'd love to try a pair out. I mean, do you remember our friend had a pair of those proper, like, bungee stilts? Oh, I know those ones. Yeah, yeah. Who who was that? We'll bleep the name and post. He had a pair of the bungee shoes? Oh, yeah. The shit where you could, like, run, like, the Terminator 2000. And do, like, backflips yeah, and stuff. Yeah, flips and stuff yeah. down the road. That's what I thought would happen when I wore moon shoes. <laughs> and it turns out I got, like, the 20-pound equivalent of that. I mean, hey, I'm the guy who owns a pair of adult Heelys. So I'm your demographic, the demographic. Here. Yeah. Guys, some interesting merchandise avenues for the future of this paranormal life. Like I say, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Um, let us know your own thoughts and feelings and suggestions. Of course, at the usual places, this paranormal life podcast at gmail.com, Twitter at this paralife, Instagram at this paranormal life. Um, if you cannot wait until Tuesday, though, to to hear another ultimately disappointing paranormal tale, there's some spicy ones over on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. And we don't come down on conclusions on bonus episodes, so there's nothing to be upset about at the end. You can kind of just live in the gray area. That being said, our last bonus episode, we did come down on a conclusion. It was, to be fair, we can sell the Patreon hard because we had one of the best bonus episode investigations in years. It was so good that people in the comments of the Patreon post literally said i wish this was a main episode so that the entire tpl fandom can hear 
what happened basically at the end of this this podcast. And I'm not beyond considering releasing it at some point as like we do sometimes be like, hey, we'll chuck up sure. a, a little freebie as like a little taster. Um, we don't want to abuse that, but it could be a good one to be like, hey, this is what the bonus episodes are like. But if you can't wait for such a taster, check out the Ogo Pogo episode only exclusive to patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. There's a ton of other rewards too, but um, that's the best one, arguably. Uh, but there's also a weekly podcast called The After Party. Um, we do an extra five podcasts a month that aren't here on the main feed. They are exclusive to Patreon. So make sure you don't miss them. Yeah, Heineken cans one to three are the main episode. And then <laughs> cans four to nine are the after party. Jeez. Where shit gets wild. Once you're, pound, once you're pounding nine Heinies in one afternoon, okay. things get a little intense. And at the end of the podcast, we like to shout out some of those people who supported us on Patreon. Let's go. Thanks to Harrison Dirks. Harrison Dirks always smirks. It's kind of like, you know, they say people have like resting bitch face. <laughs> sure. Harrison has a grin like the goddamn Joker. Oh my lord. Smiling from ear to ear, even on the saddest occasions. It's, uh, it's truly terrifying. This is a yeah. funeral, sir. <laughs> Thanks also to George. We've all heard about Curious George, but we're talking about Furious George. Oh, Angry 24-7. He carries he, a machete wherever he goes, just he, in case. Even on his wedding day, he was just like, I'm just so happy to be getting married. Whoa. It's like, you got to find a better way to channel this, George, because it sounds like you're not happy at all. It sounds like you're furious. No, my vows are beautiful, but just right now, I just love her so much. Thanks also to Isaac Montenegro. Isaac from Montenegro, the country so nice they named him after it. Uh, only befitting, though, when you are da king. He's the king? Oh, yeah. Damn, what Patreon tier is he on? <laughs> Isaac, you're not forking out. Well, share the wealth, brother. Come you know, on. We, we have a tier that's $38,000, I believe, a month. I think $50,000. 38,000 pounds. Oh, Isaac. Hey, dude, take a peek. Thanks also to Mitchell Halsey. Mitchell, of course, an amateur wrestler. Uh, his move is Deck the Halsey, Sheesh. where he comes out swinging. Can't really do much more than throw punches. Uh, you know, wrestling is a lot of like acrobatics, acrobatics and yeah, flips yeah. And, and shit. But uh, Mitchell just comes out swinging, dressed like that, dressed in a Christmas jumper and nothing else. All right, well that's not PG. <laughs> Good luck, Mitchell. Thanks to Brandon Hall. Ding, 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 deck the halls. <laughs> Brandon, Brandon comes out swanging in nothing but a Christmas <laughs> jumper and questionable undergarments. Whoa. We're talking uh, mistletoe round his camel toe. Uh-oh. <laughs> Which is maybe fine on the amateur circuit, but you ain't getting to WWE with that one. Thanks to Emily Trax. Emily is the number one DJ in the country, no matter what event you are catering for. Mm -hmm. Emily's got the tracks. A funeral. Boom. She's dropping the sickest D&B you've ever heard. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's appropriate. Wedding. You best believe the D&B is pumping. Okay, it sounds like she's just a D&B DJ. Well, though. it's drum and bass is her passion. It's her love. And if you want to slow dance, then she's got some pretty chill drum and bass remixes of slow songs. Thanks to Aaron Hildebrandt Turner. My favorite pastime is scaring Aaron. 
they're one of those people that's just so jumpy. No matter what you do, you, right? You could be sitting next just next be like, to them and just hey. like, Aaron. Ah! Right. Scaring Aaron is ten out of ten. Sometimes Aaron has a weapon though, so just be careful hmm. because you don't want to get tear gassed too hard when you scare Aaron. That's extreme. As but a it's weapon. worth it. It's worth it. Thanks also to Scott C. Scott is one of those wizards who can look deep into the future. You just have to go up to him and say, Scott, what do you see? And sometimes he's like, you know, it's not really that pro- prolific. Right, new flavor it, of Pop-Tart. Because in the books and shit, it's like, I see war between yeah, men and beasts. Yeah, 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 yeah. But these days it's like, I think pollution's going to get worse, way worse. So it's we'll, like, all right, yeah, well, we know that, keep it so. light, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah, do you yeah. see? Tell us, like, who's going to win Inflation the most? Inflation is f- Okay. It's properly going down. Who's going to win the World Cup? Who's <laughs> yeah, going to yeah, win the yeah. World Cup, Scott? Keep it light, Scott. Thanks also to Matthew Crapper. As we said, someone's got to clean those toilets at Area 51. Oh, sure. Matthew Crapper but was born that, for it. That's what you call nominative determinism. <laughs> He's been cleaning the toilet, which is a hard job as well. You know, human poop, that's one thing. Alien poop. Sheesh. You need a moon suit for that one, brother. Gonna need a Geiger <laughs> counter and a suicide pill for cleaning those. Thanks to Emerald Hawthorne. Emerald Hawthorne, you are exactly the kind of person that we are looking for to join the paranormal commune. Yes, please. If your name is any indication as to the uh, the type of jewels you to possess. wealth. Because uh, my name is uh, Rory Dirt, and this is Kit yeah. Rock over there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so uh, and, uh, uh, Mrs. Emerald would be uh, more than welcome to uh, just come check the place out. You might be interested in joining. Thanks lastly but not leastly today to Ethan Charlie. You gotta love having two first names. Lots of options when it comes to having a personality. You know, yeah. uh, if you're if you're <laughs> if you want to be good cop, you're Ethan. If you want to be bad cop, you're Charlie. That I day. I think Charlie's good cop. Ethan's bad cop. You don't want to see the kind of shit Charlie gets up to. Is Ethan the name of the Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. Isn't that his name? Ethan? Ethan Hunt. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a cool name. Maybe ditch Charlie and take up Hunt. Just be bad. Just be bad <laughs> cop. It's cooler that way. Ethan's Raptor Hunt. <laughs> the perfect name. Thank you to everyone we've shouted out today and everyone we are yet to shout out. Your names are coming in the following weeks. We will, of of course, be back on Tuesday with a brand new paranormal tale, but also back on Friday with an after party over on Patreon.com. Make sure and check it out. In the meantime, folks, remember to live fast, investigate, investigate and die young, baby! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.